Assalamu alaikum, ladies and gentlemen. If you like this podcast, if you benefit from this podcast or you benefit from some of the writing that we do on Instagram, on Facebook, if you attend our connection sessions that take place every second Sunday on Zoom, if you have been a member of our Flourish coaching course, you may, 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 being the operative word I appreciate, may want to make a subscription to our Patreon page. Why would I do that, Yusuf? Well, I'll tell you why. Because there are a number of different audio recordings on there. I can't remember exactly how many, but I think it's more than 20. At least it may be even more than that. And there's also a number of different connection sessions uploaded in full on the Patreon page. Every time we have a connection session on Zoom, I put the whole unedited recording up onto Patreon. And there are a number of different articles as well. Some things that I've written um, reflecting on topics, themes related to personal growth, the pursuit of wholeness according to the Islamic tradition. But what if you don't want to make a contribution? Well, that's cool. Don't worry about it. That's all love. Enjoy the podcast. Take it easy. of man to ascend to the heavenly realm and to transcend the pain caused by being chained to the solely material modernity the age in which we live which the blessed messenger muhammad may the peace and blessings of allah be upon him informed us that each generation the best of generations is his generation followed by the generation after followed by the generation after followed by the generation after until eternity until the end of time And that is not to curse the age, and that is not to curse the people of the age, because that is not from our that is not from our tradition. But we are in a challenging time. I mean, if we were somewhat unconscious of that, in the last few years, it has been smacked in our face that we are in a challenging, challenging time. And something in the human condition, something of that human dysfunction that we that we um, identified at the beginning. When we said that every human being is fundamentally dysfunctional, something of that human dysfunction has become very, very powerful. And that is not to declare anybody who is dysfunctional an enemy, because we would be enemies to ourselves. But it is to acknowledge that there is something up, that something is taking place. And what we believe that to be in the traditional Islamic perspective is that the human being is chained to the solely material. This is the idea of materialism, the idea of what we would term in Arabic, as Sandra says, dunya. The dunya is that which the bismillah is not said over. And that's what um, I think Myra said as well, right? Anything that doesn't reach to the other world, anything that doesn't reach to that which is um, godly, that which is done for Allah, we say Bismillahirrahmanirrahim before it and not only say it upon the tongue, but we existentially approach an endeavor for the sake of the creator. Now, what is it that brings us anguish and pain when we are chained, when we become abd, when we become servants, when we become slaves to the material? We become slaves to the superficial. We become overwhelmed by the surface level. We cannot see anything beyond 
the immediate. The world becomes black and white, simple. The purpose of life is to get as much as you possibly can from the universe. If you do not get much from the universe, you are a failure. If the plan that you have does not come, go out, turn out the way that you want it to, you're the problem. If things don't become, if, you, if you're not able to organize and orchestrate the universe in the way that you want it to be, you failed and your life is bad. That's materialism. That's when you are chained to the solely material. The deen, the way, the path, the religion of the Almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala is the task of ascending to the heavenly realm, but it's not necessarily a physical ascension, right? It doesn't mean that you're going to grow any taller. <laughs> it doesn't mean that you're going to go anywhere necessarily, although we have the idea of hijrah, right? We have the idea of moving for the sake of the creator, moving from a challenging environment, for example, or an inner hijrah, a movement, an ascension, a change of direction, so that you see something more than that which is apparent. You see the unseen in every moment. You witness the divine hand. You, you, you notice the angelic beauty of the moment. You notice the divine support. You notice the divine protection. You notice the divine redirecting you away from that which is harmful for you. You recognize that you have a purpose which is greater than the mere acquisition, acquisition, acquisition of stuff. You realize that you are here to earn his pleasure. You realize that every single moment is not merely the the random arbitrary bumping into each other of a series of atoms that is completely and utterly random and could be good and could be bad. The qadr that which is khair, meaning that which you think is good. That's what it means. The destiny, that which Allah has given you, that which you like and that which you find bitter is all from Allah. And Allah does not ever set a foot wrong. This moment is pregnant with meaning. Your life is full of messages, theophany, tajalli, the manifestation of the creator in your life. It is there if you want it. You can ascend to that position. Not physically. But somebody mentioned earlier, an inner journey, inwardly, you can begin to transcend your circumstances by realizing that there is more to this story. That there is more to this story. That even in moments when things don't unfold the way you want them to, and I know that existence can be extremely painful, and we experience that anguish, we experience that pain, even in those moments, there is a depth. There is a purpose. Allah Almighty says, do you think that I would create anything in vain? Do you think that anything is a waste of time? Have we not traversed this path? Do you think that the way you are feeling right now, the circumstances that you are in, the clothes that you are wearing, for goodness sake, Lord, the food that you have eaten, the people that surround you, do you think that anything is random? Do you think that anything has ever been random? 
And now you begin to locate yourself in a different universe. You begin to break the pain caused by being chained to the solely material. Because if you're chained to the solely material for your happiness, for your value, for your worth, for your significance, then you've just thrown away all of those things and given them to somebody else or something else. If you say, I will be happy, I will be um, contented in my life, if Yusuf likes me, if he thinks I'm a nice guy, then you're now a slave to me. Do you understand that? If you say, I will be happy in my life when I, when I get my medical degree, when I get my house in the hills, when I get, my, get the respect of my mother, when I have a happy marriage, when I have my first child, none of these things are in your control. None of them. And our religion in its absolute perfection and beauty says, La ilaha illallah. There is nothing worthy of worship except him. Ilahi anta maqsudi You are my goal and your pleasure is my target, Ya Rabb. And therefore, to earn your mother's pleasure is a, is a beneficial thing to do. But to gain your mother's pleasure, to do that which is pleasing to your mother or to do that which helps and aids your mother is a good thing to do. But do you think that you can guarantee your mother's pleasure? You can't. Who can you guarantee the pleasure of? You can guarantee the pleasure of Allah by acting with the intent to please him sincerely. And by doing that, you transcend this earthly existence, this dunya that Sandra speaks of. You elevate yourself. You ascend like the Blessed Messenger did out of this quagmire, out of this quicksand, after, out of this, um, what is it, what do they, what do they say? Uh, a bucket full of uh, crabs pulling you back in. You ascend beyond it and you begin to enter into the heavenly realm. You see things through the eyes of an elevated being. What does Allah Almighty say in the Hadith Qudsi? When I love a servant, uh, sorry, a servant earns my love by nothing greater than that which I have made obligatory upon him. A servant draws closer to me by nothing more beloved to me than that which I have made obligatory upon him, the salah. The recitation of the Quran, the engagement with the spiritual practices, avoiding the haram until I love him. And then he does superogatory acts, additional acts, until he draws closer and closer and closer to me, until I become the eye with which he sees and the ears with which he hears and the tongue with which he speaks. That's the ascension. And is there any coincidence then that on the night of ascension, Allah Almighty afforded the blessed messenger and all of creation the greatest gift after him, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, a salah, the prayer. But the prayer is fundamentally connected to ascension, to spiritual growth, to spiritual, um, to, the, to, the, to the amendment, to the shift of our perspective, changing the way that we see the world is fundamentally connected to the salah. How do we ascend without the salah? And then we look at ourselves and we say, well, I'm not happy with my performance, quote unquote, in the world. I'm not doing well. I don't feel good. How is your salah? The doctors of old used to ask this, right? Who's from traditional Muslim nations or traditional Muslim cultures, you ask your grandparents, even your parents, even yourselves, inshallah, that when you would go to the doctor, 
you'd say, I've got a headache and I've got this itch. And they would say, how is your solar? But I told you I've got a headache. What's that got to do with it? How is your solar? Because how do you suppose that you will be healthy if your solar is neglected? Real talk. The Almighty says, I draw, my servant draws closer to me by nothing more beloved to me than that which I have made obligatory upon him. Allah Almighty has made the salah obligatory upon us. This is said from a place of compassion and love, ladies and gents. If our salah is not in place, we love you for the sake of Allah. The way back is always open. We all slip and we all err. But he has given you everything that you need. He has said to you, come back to me on five occasions during the day. Well, I don't feel good inside of myself. I don't feel happy at the moment. I don't feel confident. I don't feel like I'm very spiritual. I don't feel like I'm seeing the meaning in things. Okay. Do you pray your salah in their time? No. Okay. So what? where does this conversation go now? What? What is said next? Is there anything to be said? He has told you how to approach him. And he has said, by means of these acts, you become beloved to God. As-salah. The Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, is reported to have said upon his deathbed, lying in the lap of Sayyidah Aisha, As-salah, As-salah. The prayer, the prayer. In other narrations, they say the women, the women. He, he, he called out for the well-being of the women. The prayer. The prayer. Which was going to be one of the major, major themes of this session, but I couldn't put it together in time. The idea that our ascension into the spiritual realm may well be a descent internally to a deeper place. And that's metaphorical, so that's not scriptural or anything else. That's just my own understanding in, in, in a symbolic sense, which is that we have to go to a deeper place within ourselves to live from somewhere deeper. As we've said previously, to live from the soul or to live from the ruh, which gives us that deeper meaning we might say to events that take place around us how does that how do people relate to that does that make sense which brings us to the notion of humility which brings us to how we perceive the world around us and this is crucial for us upon this path actually i was having a discussion with uh, with my wife about this earlier on this morning we, we we can't know because allah knows and we do not know now often people will say you know don't judge. You should never judge. No, we judge. Like, let's be real. We judge all day, every single day. And we have to judge. And I don't mean like, I don't, don't even need to get to, the, to a deep level of judging someone that you're going to go into business with, like a kind of, you know, stereotypical decision. You judge what you're going to have for breakfast. You judge whether or not 
you will need 10 minutes or 15 minutes to get to this place. You're constantly making judgments about the world. You're also making judgments if you're at work or if you're selecting somebody to do a particular task, but I think that person is better than that one. You know, we, we can't operate on this idea of never making judgments because otherwise we would just sit still at home trying to avoid every single task ever. We probably wouldn't have a home because we wouldn't be able to make the judgment between one or the other, lol. We do judge. We have to judge. The concern is when we judge with an absolute, in the absolute sense, when we believe that our own judgment is absolutely and utterly correct and no one else can be right. That's where the problem lies because we judge without humility. We judge without knowing that Allah knows and you know not. Therefore, as we've spoken about before, everything that we do is a hypothesis. Everything that we do is a hypothesis testing enterprise. I think this, this is what I believe. This is what I believe is correct. This is what I believe is the appropriate thing to do. And I have reflected upon it. I have asked myself many questions. I've been introspective. And I believe this is what the Almighty wants me to do. And then you do it. Imam Shafi said, I believe that I am right, and I believe that my opponent is wrong. But I know that I may be wrong, and my opponent may be right. What about the story of Sayyidina Khidr, or attributed to Sayyidina Khidr in the, in the Holy Quran, when Sayyidina Musa says, why are you doing that? What's wrong with you? Why do you keep breaking holes in boats and knocking over walls and all sorts of things that people could not understand how why would you do such a thing because i know that which you know not allah knows and you know not and that is so important today so important when we see this kind of you know polarization of opinion and people cl clamping down on this is what is right and everyone else is wrong how on earth do you know are you claiming divine knowledge you know what the almighty subhanahu wa ta'ala has instructed us to do so, do it. And if someone falls outside of that bracket or does something which is, you know, to you clearly heinous and terrible, then understand that it is your responsibility to stand against it, but not in a kind of depraved, angry, hating manner. What is this? This is from our tradition. That you may have heard Molana Sheikh Nazim speak about this kind of thing. He said, what are you people out on the streets waving your placards and throwing rocks? Stop it. Turn to Allah. Advise people in the way that the Prophet ﷺ instructed us to do. Be noble in your conduct. Love the other. Love the other. If someone sins and does something ridiculous, then know that that could have been you. That could have been you. Could have been you. And therefore, approach it humbly. I don't know everything about this perspective. When I see someone who has done something which is absolutely a terrible, you don't excuse the crime and say, no, it's okay for him to do that because he had a bad childhood, etc. No, it's not okay. But we must be compassionate to understand, not to result in absolute hatred. And, and, and no, we try to empower and lift people up. If someone is living, doing things which are unacceptable, you must stand against them because the Holy Prophet has instructed us to do that. But from where? From an acknowledgement that even if that person has sinned so badly, inside of them there is light. Inside of them they have been blown into by the blessed, by Allah 
subhanahu wa ta'ala, alasta bi rabbikum, am I not your Lord? Bala, shahidna, indeed we bear witness. That person was standing on that day as well. They know Allah. It is the role of the dirga to elevate those people. If you are here, then that is your job. Of course we judge every day. If somebody says to you, you know what? Let's go down the pub and have a couple of drinks. No, that's not. No, thank you. Thank you for thinking of me, but that's not the way that I want to do things. Of course you make judgment, but your judgment is not absolute. You are not God. You don't have the right. What is the famous statement? I can't remember who made it. If you see, if you were to meet your brother and you could smell the scent of alcohol upon his beard, then presume that someone has fallen over and spilled something on him or something along those lines. Always think the best of people. And that is not popular nowadays, ladies and gents. That is not popular at all. That's why our path is the inversion of modernity, the inversion of the norms of the age. It's the inversion. We turn it on its head. We are people who look to find the best in people. Make 70 excuses for your brother, the Prophet ﷺ said. Look for the best in people and be humble. Be humble. I know how much it hurts when someone hurts you. I know how terrible and devastating that can be. I know how, but can you imagine if you elevated yourself to a place where you can realize that in the, in the people who seem to be in the worst of conditions, there is a beauty within them. And maybe it might help to say even those who seem to be in the highest of positions, there is something dark and dangerous inside of them. And maybe even more significant is to put all of that on you. Inside of you, there is a darkness that you would never want to face. Do you know that? No real talk. Do you know that? And if you've sinned and if you've done foolishness, why did, why did that happen? In order to show you what you are capable of. But let me assure you as well, ladies and gents, that inside of you, on the night that the Holy Prophet, may the peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, ascended through the heavens into the presence of the Creator, subhanahu wa ta'ala, Due to the adab and the respect that the Blessed Messenger had وسلم, for all of creation, he said, Ya, ya Jibreel, O Jibreel, alayhi salam, the angel Gabriel, you go first. You proceed before me. Precede me. Precede, not proceed. Precede. And Jibreel said, I cannot. I cannot come that close to God. I am an angel. I cannot come that close to God. Now, Sayyidina Muhammad is the archetype of human perfection. He is not like you and me. But the beauty of our path, the beauty of our religion, is that Sayyidina Muhammad is not God. So the archetype of perfection in some traditions is divine himself. But Sayyidina Muhammad وسلم, is not divine. Do you know how important that is? The angel Gabriel said, 
I cannot come that close to God. But you, O Muhammad وسلم, the archetype, the pinnacle of human creation, the greatest of all of existence, who was a man. Not a man like you and I. And don't deem this disrespectful. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammadin wa alihi wa sallam. But he is of the same physical form as you. What does that mean? The angels do not have the same potential that you have, O oh man. And when I say man, I mean mankind. We have the potential to ascend closer to God than the angels, the angels who spend their entire life in the ritual ibadah and worship and executing the will of Allah Almighty. You have the ability to be higher even than that. How does that make you feel? Tell me in the box, how does that make you feel when you realize that that is the potentiality that you were afforded? You can go to places that even the angels cannot reach.